You're listening to Fueling the Future of Transport, hosted by Tammy Klein, the founder and CEO of Transport Energy Strategies. We'll talk all about the fuels and energy it takes to keep the world moving forward. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the show today. I am so pleased to have with me today Camille Terry. Camille is the co-founder and CEO of Charger Help. And we're going to talk today about charging infrastructure uh, in the U.S. and what her company's doing. Camille, welcome to the program. Hello. Thanks so much for having me, Tammy. It is my pleasure. Um, So I first got to know Camille a little bit uh, through the Fuels Institute. Uh, We both sit on a council called the Electric Vehicle Council, which brings um, a lot of stakeholders together interested in expanding and improving the charging space. And I first got to meet Camille, I think it was December of 2021. Uh, She was a panelist uh, at an event and um, she just gave some outstanding like real world realities um, about uh, charging and also what her company's doing. So Camille, Uh, Let's get into it. So for the listeners who may not be familiar, can you talk more about Charger Help, what you all do, how you got started? um, And can you talk about also what I I love about what you're doing is fostering, I mean, really like for real, real fostering equity within the company um, and also out there in the marketplace? I appreciate that. Um, Yeah. So I guess I started off in the industry, I think almost, I want to say almost eight years ago now, which is so cool um, because I'm very young. So that was a large portion (laughs) of my life. Um, But when I started out, I actually worked for um, a a network provider. So someone who created software for charging stations. And I was what they called EV driver support. So essentially, if you drive an electric vehicle and if you experience an issue or you've never charged your vehicle before and you need someone to help you, you would talk to me. And um, at that time, I knew nothing about electric vehicles. I just needed a job and just ended up in this like space. Wow. Um, and so I would literally like Google and Reddit everything. I was oh like, my gosh. oh, how do you charge a BMW? Like, one moment, please. Like, I'll go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there's a manual somewhere. <laughs> well, yeah, because at that time, like, some car OEMs weren't necessarily explaining to folks because it was new, you know, eight years ago. Like, I think we've had like this super pickup in EVs, but back then there weren't a ton of EVs and a lot of folks just didn't know. So, so yeah, so I just went to Google University and learned everything. Um, <laughs> Talk about and, in the trenches. Oh my gosh. Trenches. Um, and in my last role at that company, I was something called the director of programs. And so um, my team deployed infrastructure, EV charging infrastructure all across the US. We did some cool projects in Canada and Australia and like just learned so much. And one of the things I did learn was that the industry had a very interesting like O&M problem. Um, and I think it was Honestly, because I tell folks all the time, like these charging stations are, they're IoT assets. Like they're, they're smart devices, they're internet of things. And so we've never as a nation deployed (laughs) a whole bunch of smart devices and then nonetheless transitioned a fueling Mm -hmm. source. And so like, yes, there were going to be problems. Um, And I guess like, as I wrap up the story, I, you know, as I, when I um, left that company, I started to talk to meet other companies that also were having O&M issues. And I knew that we could solve it in like two interesting ways. Like mm. 
one, I'm obsessed with data. And I feel as though usually when computers have issues, like there's a reason why you just have to find it, right? Like usually if a computer's malfunctioning, you can follow a bread trail to be like, ah, like it's right there. And so I was like, oh, like we can figure out why these stations are malfunctioning. We just need to collect a ton of data. And then on the other end of that, I was like, you know, the issues are, aren't electrical issues. And so it did open up an opportunity of looking at how do you transition workers into this space? And so from there, Charger Help was born. We created a, a platform where we help technicians are, you know, that's transitioning from other industries, essentially are, are you know, getting hands-on training as they work through our mobile platform. Mm-hmm. And then we're aggregating a lot of work order data and other data points in order to get to resolutions faster for these like smart assets. Whew, that was a lot, but yeah, <laughs> that's what it is. <laughs> so you, you decided, I mean, you went from basically working in one of the centers to deciding to go off and start something on your own or with your, with your partners. I mean, what was that like? I mean, how did you, you take that leap. You saw you saw the gap, and you decided to go for it. But a lot of people don't do that, so I'm I'm kind of fascinated with how you, you know, what that process was like for you yes. to decide and just go do it. Yeah, I think the, the interesting thing, you know, um, is that I ended up leaving the other company not to start this company, but because my mom was really sick. But my mom mm-hmm. had always had cancer, um, and her cancer had progressed more and. I don't know. It was just, I had, I just knew that I wanted to be home more and just wanted to be more helpful. And, and so that's why, cause at that time period at that other company, you know, I had a very senior role and a lot of responsibilities and I was young. I'm still young. Mm-hmm. It was like, okay, I should probably like spend time with my mom. So I actually was just like not working and helping my mom. And I was volunteering um, at this organization called the LA clean tech incubator. And I had just wrote a curriculum on just like everything that I had learned from the industry, things I had Googled and like everything. I just wrote it all down and they were looking for a workforce training program. And I was like, hey, like, have you heard of like charging stations? And hmm. I have like a bit of a cold operations okay. and maintenance. Um, here's this curriculum that, you know, that I've built, like, would you all be interested in teaching it? And they're like, yes. And so like, that's, it kind of like naturally progressed that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I've actually never wanted to start a company <laughs> <laughs> I'm an entrepreneur and I'm like, it's just seemed very painful, mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah. That's true. One, one, one entrepreneur to another, but I think that, um, yeah, the, the, but, but look where you guys are now. And I mean, that's, what's so, so amazing. So you all have done studies, um, that have centered around the challenges of, of maintaining charging stations. So that's that's what really got me um, when I first heard you speak in December of 2021. It was like, what? I can't believe this, you know, in terms of what you all are finding about, you know, charger, I guess, reliability um, and, and what's really going on out there in the field. So can you talk about what you you guys have been finding, what you found then and what you continue to to, to find? I mean, the stats that you, you've you come up with um, and you've talked about or the companies come up with and you've talked about from your studies is just amazing. And the the key thing for me is, okay, what do we do to make it better? I mean, is it policy? Is it something else? 
you know, what can we learn and improve on, especially as infrastructure really begins to roll out? Yes. I mean, one of the one of the things I knew that we had to do was to get like data because like anecdotally, you could talk to an EV driver and they're like, yeah, the stations don't work. But like I I never like stopping there. I'm like, okay, well, like let's let's visit the stations. Like, let's understand what doesn't work. Like, let's explore this. And so, you know, we went out to about 5,000 charging stations across, I think it was about 45 or 47 states. And we were seeing that a third of the infrastructure um, was inoperable, um, wasn't dispensing electricity. And, and we finally had the data to just back up what I knew anecdotally. And that really drove us to start developing partnerships with some of these network providers and manufacturers to say like, Hey, like you have a problem and like, how can we look at like solving it? And I guess to answer your last portion of your question, like one of the things I took away from the fuels Institute, you know, it's just like, I think the industry, like the EV charging industry could do a better job of like working with other fueling entities or even like convenience store operators, just like folks that have been, dealing with fuel, like whether it's electricity or gas or whatever, like we don't have to reinvent the wheel. Like there's some things that we can learn and we should understand. And like, we should be more inclusive instead of exclusive. So that's one of the things that, you know, I I really love about being a part of the Fuels Institute and going to the events and and just learning and listening and like, okay, like I agree, like this is how this experience should be. And how do we get there? Mm -hmm. So one of the stats, and I don't know if I'm going to remember it correctly, that you you talked about, you've talked about before, is it something like of the stations that you all surveyed at one point in time, which I now can't remember what that is, but it, it was something like, you know, like 30% or more of, of the L2 stations, you know, were not working and had some kind of problem. Um, so do you think that's a, a situation that you're seeing, you know, as the company develops, you know, your workforce is out there, charging's rolling out, you know, um, there's much more attention on reliability. You know, is that a statistic that you see improving now or that um, you we will begin to see kind of an improvement in, in the next you know, few years or so? I mean, I think that, I think that the attention will help. I I think that there has to be a switch of how we understand reliability. Like, you know, today, most of the infrastructure was installed through rebates and essentially like, you know, some of these small businesses are essentially the site hosts and should be responsible, you know, for O&M, but how we structured the rebates and how we think about reliability and even how we understand the problems of the stations. I think it does prevent us a little bit from truly getting to, you know, a more reliable infrastructure. I hope that just through education and, you know, we've been reading some of the responses from the NEVI bill and how people are thinking about O&M, but I think that we really need to set the site hosts up, which are typically small businesses or cities or utilities. We just need to set them up for like better success of maintaining these stations. Yeah. Um, Yeah. What does that look like? Is that, you know, sort of engaging um, with you all um, to, to, to do that work or, you know, what does success, you know, look like here? 
Yeah, I think top of mind for us is definitely looking at um, what are the service level agreements between all of the entities? So like one site host, right? They might have a software provider that they bought, that they got these stations through a reseller. So you have like a reseller, you have a software provider, and then the manufacturer might be different than the software provider. And then the payment system on there might be different than all of those people. And there aren't really any... SLAs for all of those entities to properly work together. And the site host does have a role to play because when you're going out to solve an issue, you need the site host to know to know where the breaker box is. Like you might need the site host to turn off the station. You would need the site host to prioritize fixing that site. So I think that this the first set, right, it's like establishing service level agreements among all of these entities if we want to drive mass EV adoption and if these stations are truly for the public, we have to make sure that everyone's on the same page because one person, you know, not prioritizing the station getting fixed can now have that station offline for 30, 40, 90 days, right? Because mm-hmm. one person didn't do their part. So I think that's one piece. Um, the, I think the other piece is definitely whether we have some type of help for operations and maintenance, can you realize like a lot of these site hosts get stations for free? And if they've never operated operated a charging station, you know, and they got it for free, they may not actually have a maintenance budget. Like mm-hmm. they may not have even thought about when the station breaks, how am I going to pay for it if it's not a parts issue that's solved by the warranty? And wow. so like, how are we setting them up for success like that up front? Um, and I think the last thing, Tammy, honestly, which I guess is less about site hosts and more about the ecosystem as a whole yeah. You know, we see a lot of communication issues. We see a lot of telecom issues. And wow. I don't really see, you know, the telecom industry really a part of the EV industry. Like your Verizon, wow. Mobile, all these folks, like how are they being hopeful to ensure that there's strong communication in these areas so that the stations can communicate and properly perform? Wow, that's a real eye-opener for me. I never even, you know, that's not something I've really um, considered myself, but you're right because things will be, right, more and more wireless. And yeah, where are these guys? I don't think I've ever seen one telecom. I mean, maybe they're maybe they're part of NARUC or, or other groups, but I've never seen one group that's, you know, telecom company that's really you know, kind of engaged, um, in this area. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. And we've tried. And the thing is like, they don't have a key person. They're just like, it's just like the utilities customer. Yeah. Yeah. Like, no, you need someone that's thinking about this holistically, especially as we Mm. lead into smart cities and autonomous vehicles, like these are all connected devices. And if you don't have, if you have a T-Mobile dead zone, like, like the car is not going to go there. Like, I, I mean, I don't know. It's very interesting to me. Yeah. There's somebody at T-Mobile and AT&T with their own electric vehicle manual somewhere back, right. back there. Oh, please. <laughs> yeah. So um, that's actually such a good point. I mean, you know, yeah, you're, you're right. I mean, they are, they are not in it, but it will depend, you know, the success of charging will depend more and more on 
what those entities can and are able uh, to do. And it's just, it reminds me so much in the, in the beginning, um, dealing with the utilities. Now, many utilities have their own dedicated electrification groups or the convenience stores. So, you know, many fuel retailers and convenience stores, they have their own dedicated um, electrification uh, units uh, now. Um, and I guess, you know, maybe in time, we'll see that with the telecom companies. But yeah, we we aren't there now. Right. Yeah. You're the first person who has ever, ever that I, in, in my sphere, who has really ever pointed that issue out. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so how do you see, so we have, um, the, um, investment, the, uh, infrastructure act, um, um, last year we have the inflation reduction Act um, this year. It's a lot of incentives for both charging um, and for electric vehicles. So, from your standpoint, being in the industry, how do you see charging and um, the EV market here in the US evolving um, over the next uh, 10 years? And what does that mean for you all um, at um, Charger Help besides more growth? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I think it's going to be really interesting. I, I, you know, one of the things that happens when you put a lot of money towards things, like it doesn't mean that quality increases. Um, it means that you have more folks that are going to try to participate. And so I, I am, um, I'm excited for new players. I definitely think that, you know, we haven't solved solved how we should charge. I don't think that there's like premium experience today. And so I'm excited for one existing players to become more premium and, and for there, for there to be more premium players in the space. Like I am excited for that. Uh, but on the other end, it does, you know, cause a bit of concern just to think that we're just going to have so many new people in flooding the space and not like underneath this like flag of, 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 you know, greenhouse gas reduction, but more so under this guise of like, you know, you can make a lot of money, which is like no shade to those people, but it's just interesting. Yeah. Um, and then right. for Charger Hope, you know, I think for us, what we really want to play at and sit at is like, we just want to be the premier O&M provider for the site hosts. Like we don't have to go directly to the network or manufacturer. Like I was, you know, driver support, site host support. Like those are the folks I empathize with like somebody that's never been, been a feeling operator and now you're a feeling operator. And like, what does that mean? And it's a new type of fuel. And like, how are you supported? And like, who, you know, who is making sure that, that you're, that you're, you know, having this like seamless experience for your drivers. Like, so I, I'm excited for how Charger Hope could continue to support those folks because I often think that they're left out, right? Cause they're not necessarily the ones carrying the purse right now. Yeah. It's not like these site hosts are paying for this. It's government funding or utility funding. Right. So, so yeah. So for us, I'm 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 excited to see like how we can continue to support drivers and site hosts um, as this industry grows. So let me ask you both about, I guess, um, you know, the whole eco ecosystem, EV ecosystem, um, and and the question of equity. From from an equity standpoint, do you believe we have policies? The policies that we have on the books now. You know, and especially those that are reflected in 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 the Inflation Reduction Act. You know, do they do enough to 
you know, to foster, improve and grow equity and, and access to, to charging access to, to, um, you know, electric vehicles, access to, you know, being able to work with companies, you know, such as yours. Yeah. I mean, I think for me, I'm usually on the side of like less rules and how can you impact the private sector to, to find value in naturally doing those things. Right. Right. And so, cause I think like that's more sustainable. Um, and I think that you're seeing it, right. Like I think from car OEMs, like the lyric came out and, you know, they utilize, um, they're, I think they were like R and B or hip hop artists. And like, that's super cool because like, you know, you're now exposing a whole different group of folks that may follow those people um, to to electric vehicles, right? And that's just a natural way to be like, oh, well, there's money here, so let me create an electric vehicle, you know, and utilize like the, these artists' platform in order to drive EV adoption in this certain like demographic or area. Like, I'm excited about those creative spaces. Not to say that they're like people can create rules all day, but like. For being yeah. in the private sector, private sector will also figure out ways to get around the rules. So like, <laughs> that's so true. So like, yes, yeah, so like, how do we figure out, how do we identify the value, right? Like for Charger Help, you know, we work with workforce development centers to staff um, and, and we look at certain communities to staff, mainly, you know, because like, yes, it's equitable and just, but like, it's also, it's cost saving in the sense of like workforce development centers already have recruitment arms, so as a business, I don't have to create a recruitment arm. You know, we find that, you know, folks that have a more like, you know, we have some folks that came from like oil and gas. We have folks that came from telecom, field service. Mm-hmm. Like those folks are naturally really good at being mm-hmm. an ABSC technician. So it's like, yes, equity. And these are also very sound business decisions that are adding value to charger help. And I think like that's a more sustainable way to think about it. Because if you don't find business value and equity, it's always going to be half done. And you'll see that people don't really care and they'll figure out ways to cut corners so they don't have to do it. Right. But yeah. I think there is, there is value in equity. We just have to expose that more to the private sector. Yeah. Yeah. I do think it's about, it's about adding that value and, and you're right. I mean, all of those things that you're talking about, it's, that's really not equity, um, <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, sort of hopping around, hopping under, hop, you know, so it's really about making the business case, so exactly. to speak. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So last question, two-parter, um, what excites you most about this, this electrification space? You've worked in the space almost 10 years, which in this space, I mean, you're a total veteran. <laughs> Even though it's a new space, um, you're a total, total veteran. So what excites you most about the electrification space and why? And where do you see the, you know, where do you want to guys want to take the company and where do you see the company in the next uh, few years or so? Yeah, I, one, am a sucker for design. Like I love beautifully crafted things. And so I am... <laughs> Like I like even though like I know the iPhone isn't like a superior device, but it's just very pretty. It's so yeah. it's like all my d- d- devices are Apple. Um, yeah, design to me is just really cool, and then also technology, smart devices, and not like replacing people or getting like too like crazy AI, but just like really bringing the future forward. You know what I mean? I think that we have a cool opportunity to do that with electric vehicles that we may not have been able to do with gas powered vehicles. Like if you think about like flying cars or autonomous vehicles, like 
I think we're opening up ourselves to just like new stuff. And like, I think as a millennial, I'm like, yes, <laughs> show me more new things. Um, yeah. And then for the company, you know, what I'm, I'm excited about two things for the company. One is that I truly believe actually in, De- in Detroit, I'm in Detroit right now. And um, they were, you know, they had an RFP out recently to have an electric, uh, highway. So like when a car drives on the highway, oh, yeah. the car is charging, you know, and I was talking to the young ladies cause we we're looking at um, doing some workforce development. And I was like, the fascinating thing is like, you would need somebody that yes, understands how to like repair that highway, but they will also need to understand software, right? Cause there's a huge software component. Yeah, and so when right. we look at the jobs of the future, we can't have all our software engineers who make six figures go fix highways so then how do you, how do you bridge that gap? How do you find someone that's like totally fine with getting dirty, but also is understanding of like software and how can technology help to bridge that gap? And that's what we're really doing at Charger Help. We're saying like, hey, we can take field service workers and they can work on smart assets with the help of this platform. And this allows for there to be more people entering into the workspace, you know, faster. Like you're not going to school for three, five years, right? Right, right. To have like, good natural skill sets of like showing up on time, being a good employee, but like right. directions, using a phone, you know? <laughs> and so that part's really cool to me. Um, so those are, yeah, those are the two things that I'm really excited about for Charger Hope is just this opportunity to f- further show that there is space for more people here to add value. Um, and we could do that through technology and we could do it in such a way where it's not in replacing people but it's enhancing, you know, the the experience and making folks better at their jobs. Right. And it evolves your company over time, not just, oh, yeah. you know, you're not just focused on, you know, the L- L2s are, are great, you know, and then we have DC fast chargers and then there'll be something else like what you're talking about with electrified roads. So for each stage of that evolution and whatever comes beyond that, um, it's, you're, you're, you're positioning the company to be able to take advantage of those opportunities and grow right along with the technology. Yes, absolutely. Well, thank you so much. It was so great to have you on the show. I hope you, I hope you come back. It is, I mean, it's amazing and it's awesome what you all have been able to do and what you've accomplished in a short period of time. I mean, how many years has Charger Help even been a company? It's, it's just been a few, right? Yeah, we started January 2020 at a oh start a company before a pandemic. <laughs> oh my gosh. I was thinking you guys were around longer than that. So yes, I know exactly what you mean. Um that I mean, and so what you all have been able to accomplish in it in a pandemic, yeah. um, and around the pandemic. Um, is nothing short of of amazing. I think a lot of things are coming together on the on the policy side that really um you know, sort of helps as well, like, you know, right, right company, right positioning, right, right time. So my hat's off to you. I appreciate you. Yeah. No, we're severely grateful and, and, and excited on how we can be helpful to the industry. Well, come back again and talk to us more when and when and as things continue to develop. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you so much, Tammy. You've been listening to Fueling the Future of Transport. This show is hosted and edited by Tammy Klein, produced by Carolyn Schneer, and engineered by Alexander Nikolic. To hear more great episodes of this show, learn more, and sign up for a free bi-weekly newsletter, visit transportenergystrategies.com.